0: What's good, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode three of the Breaking k podcast with your host, Vince McMahons. I am recording another episode here in my car. It's my safe haven, ladies and gentlemen. Um, quietest place in my humble abode, I will say. So here we are, episode three. I'm recording on the block, you already know. Uh, and you know, I'm st- still recording this from my phone. Need some, uh, need some money. I need some equipment, so, uh, you know, <laughs> if you want to help your boy out, uh, go me or something, I don't know, but, uh, anyway, man, I've been, uh, I've been taking a little break from this, uh, just because I've been a little ill, I've been feeling a little sickly, if you could tell through my voice, I'm recovering, um, and I think my voice is good, but before this, it was completely shot, and, um, that was why I wasn't able to record in these last few days, and, Honestly, it's kind of been uh, working to my benefit because I got to, you know, sit back, really take in everything that's been going on in the world of wrestling. Um, We had the draft, obviously, last week. And I feel like yesterday, I'm recording this on a Saturday, yesterday, Friday, was really the first day of this new era, whatever the hell we want to call this, of WWE being on Fox and Raw and everything, being... Brands being separated. Everybody is over on their separate brands. We got the roster set, so now we just looking forward, man. We looking forward to seeing what this product is gonna shape out to be, and I feel like we finally are getting our answers. You know, um, before but before we get into all that, I wanted to say uh, this past Wednesday, what did I do? What did Vince McMahon's do on Wednesday in Philadelphia? What happened on Philadelphia this Wednesday? AEW had his first ever live show in the home in the city of Brotherly Love. Um, I got a chance to go out there and check it out with my man's Alex. My bro, does not know a lick about wrestling. So it was funny just to see like his reactions of everything that was happening that was going on. Um And it was a good show, man. It was it was good. I had a good time. I will say that they need to improve upon their the aspect of their show that caters towards, like, the live experience and, like, I would say, like, the promo work, maybe, or just, like, establishing stars, that's what a lot of people are saying about AEW, that's probably, like, the main critique, they need to work on, you know, building people up, because, like, we had a whole entire show just, like, sitting there watching, it's like, it was no promos apart from, you know, the things that they play, like, the Cody package and the Jericho package, but, like, when you're playing that on a TitanTron in a live arena, it doesn't come off the same way. Like, it's, you got people in the higher sections, can't even hear shit. You got people that's, like, talking and whatnot. So it's, like, it doesn't come off the same way as a live promo, you know. But apart from that, I mean, I enjoy that. Like, I enjoy that aspect of the show. Like, I, I like the idea of them having this sort of sports reality-based uh, programming. And that is, like, shot really well edited really well. Um, I don't know if I was high or if I was, like, too high or something or something was going on, but for some reason the promo, the Cody package seemed like it was satire to me. Like, I don't know. I didn't really get to hear it as well, but, like, when um, DDP came on and he he put on that Dusty Rose impression, I was like, what the hell am I watching right now, yo? Is this, like... I had, like, this whole idea about AEW. I was like, is AEW supposed to be, like, a satire of a wrestling promotion because if that's what the goal of the company is then like i could see how this could be like something really cool and like interesting because like if their goal is to be like a satire of the wwe it would be it would just be like so ironic and like it would would be kind of like crazy that was just like some really crazy weird high thought i had let me know if i'm if i'm speaking truth or if i'm just sounding ridiculous at this point but yeah That was just some random thought I had AEW satire of Like just wrestling promotions But um anyway man I had a good time at the show My voice was shot so I really didn't get To scream as much like whenever I'm at A wrestling show I want to be like into it I want to be a part of the crowd part of the chants So I really was just sitting On my hands like the whole time I felt so limited so that could be why I didn't have like As great of a live experience You know as I could have But overall, I really enjoyed the atmosphere in the arena. I felt like the crowd was really different, you know, Um, not only because it was at the Leacorce Center. If you know me, you know, I went to Temple University. So it was on my college campus uh, and it was just like such a different vibe. Like it was like no children in the audience. It was like very few children. It was a kid that sat behind me, but like it was mostly like that core age group that they're going after, like, 18 to 40s. It seemed like a lot of wrestling fans who were, like, fans as kids but, like, have now grown up and now they have their own kids. The woman in front of me, it was actually a couple in front of me, They were pre- it was like the woman was pregnant and she was sitting with, like, her husband and, like, they were, like, enjoying it. They both seemed like they were, like, fans kind of, like, into it. Um. So, I mean, it was just cool, like, just to see, like, the type of people that were at the event. And I will say it seems like a very niche and, like, subculture of wrestling, I would feel like, which I feel like they either need to expand from or, like, not move away from, but it's very, like, like, close-knit. And I feel like only, like, a certain set of people who really, like, watch being the elite and are, like, diehard fans are the ones who are, like, really showing up to these events. And I don't know how that's going to continue as the weeks go by and they go to, like, major cities and they go to different places, but if they could hold on to that group or somehow expand that group through live TV, I think they, they're on to something. Just the whole entire atmosphere and, like, cohesive vibe that I got from that show showed me that this company knows what they're doing with their fan base if they can hook you right, you know? But for me, I just feel like I don't really... I don't really understand a lot of their storytelling aspects. Maybe I de- maybe I need to watch Being the Elite. I don't know, but as of right now, I don't have time for it, so I don't really relate. But other than that, we had a lot of tag matches on that show. It was good. I felt like the booking of a lot of the tag matches were very similar. You know, um, I'm not going. I'm not going to go too far into detail with that. But it was the show. The show was cool, man. It was cool seeing um, a lot of my favorites live. I finally got to see Kenny Omega live, see him do his thing, got to see Pac again, got to see Moxley again, Um, Hangman Page uh, was dope live, I'm still, I'm still trying to get myself sold on Hangman Page, I just don't, I see the potential, but I don't see, like, the greatness, you know, I don't see, like, the unique, I need something unique from Hangman Page before before I'm really sold on him, but, um... Yeah, the, the show was too. This show was dope. I felt the ending of the show was definitely weak. With Jericho just kind of just beating Darby Allen's ass. Darby Allen had a little he mounted a little comeback. I like Darby Allen. I don't see nothing too spectacular about him either though. Like he he seems like a cool character, but watching him live, all I could think of this is just a watered down ricochet, man. This is watered down ricochet. Ain't nothing crazy about him. Like, a watered-down ricochet would sprinkle a little Jeff Hardy in there, sprinkle a little bit of Mick Foley, you know, and then you got Darby Allin, which actually makes for a pretty compelling wrestler. But other than that, I felt the match was the match was a little lackluster. You know, they building up this Philadelphia street fight. I wanted to see them go through the crowd. I wanted to see some thumbtacks. I wanted to see a t- at least a table. Can we at least get a table? Damn. All we got was a kendo stick, um... Uh, steel chair and some damn duct tape started bond- binding him up like it was some BDSM shit or something and then uh, he completely just uh brought the duct tape out um, Darby Allin had a cool little sequence where he was wrestling with his arms behind his back, I thought that was cool spot monkey shit, you know and then he went to the top, tried to do his little dive thing and here comes Jake Hager Jake Hagar, however Chris Jericho said it, pushed him over Jericho locked in the walls. He taps out, and then here comes the Inner Circle, which, by the way, is a terrible goddamn name. Hate that name. Hate it. Yeah, man. Um, As far as the Inner Circle goes, um, just to hit off a few points I didn't get to last week when he introduced them, I already said I don't like the name. Um, It sounds like it's something from WWE 2K, honestly, like the Inner Circle. That sounds just so corny, so cheap. Do you think about that in, like, five minutes? Um, I feel like LAX... Should break away from them Like I like the group I would like the group better if it was like Jericho, Sammy Guevara uh, Jake Hager and someone else Just to add to that mix Maybe Sean Spears Like why not That would have been a much better group I feel like But I feel like LAX just doesn't really fit in that group For some reason They just don't I don't know I, I don't know Especially since Jericho running around Playing KKK Wizards and shit I just feel like him being with, like, two Puerto Rican dudes who's supposed to be, like, living this, like, street life and whatever, I just don't, I don't see the correlation. Like, they just, they just, his hood, like, his hoodlum niggas that just protect him, like, I don't know. Like, his higher guns, I guess, maybe, like, higher guns. They need to play up on, like, more of a mafia feel if that's what they're going for. Like, they need to make them, like, Jericho should be, like, the head honcho mafia man. And then have him, you know, he got his, he got his, uh he got the, uh he got the muscle man and Jake Hagar and Jack Swagger coming out. That's his muscle. That's his bodyguard. He got the higher guns with the LAX, you know, maybe bring them in and be like, I'm going to clean y'all up a little bit, change they look a little bit um, and be like, oh, y'all going to be my higher hitmen. That would be dope. And then have Sammy Guevara just be like, you know, the young boy who always trying to get into like all the uh Always trying to get into the mix, you know, always trying to get into the little, uh, uh, all the big business. But it's like, I, I never, I never wanted this life for you, Michael. I never wanted this life for you, Sammy. So have Jericho take Sammy as his protege. So it's like, all right, you the young boy. You still got to prove your worth, prove your work ethic, prove that you're not just some pretty boy in this business. So if the inner circle can incorporate some kind of mafia feel to it, I think that would be dope. Book it like that I'm booking the damn Territory baby Put it down like that Jericho I hope you're listening Cause I'm this. I'm, do, I'm doing this for free Right now man <laughs> But pay me. Come on I need some money But um What the hell Is this feud Between Moxley And Kenny Omega And now Pac I just I don't know What's happening Last week we had um Kenny coming out With the The barbed wire Broomstick Which looks stupid as hell And um He wanted to fight with Moxley. For some reason, I just don't buy Kenny Omega as, like, this badass sometimes. You know, I just don't buy it. I'm not into it. But he came out, and then Pac attacked him from the back. So now it's like a triple threat feud. And then this week we saw Mox and Pac team up. Moxley hit him with the uh, Death Rider. So now it's looking like it's going to be, like, a triple threat feud. And I'm guessing that's going to lead into the next person to compete for the AEW title whoever comes out of Cody and Jericho. Um, So I just don't, at this point, I'm just like, why are they fighting? You know, like, what is this feud? It's just to see who the top gun is. And if it is, what's a better way for them to translate that on screen? Because like I said, they just are not doing a great job at establishing who people are outside of them being like good wrestlers, who their characters are and like what their motivations are as far as just like winning. I know it's just the third week. I know people are going to be like, oh, it's just the third week. Uh, It's only the third show. Uh, We got to give them a chance. But it's like, all right, at what point are you going to start introducing these elements to your show that shows me that this is going to be something that I I can stay for, you know? Like, I'm not expecting them to have fully fleshed characters out by now. But at least give me something to where I know that you're going to, like, be doing these things. Because if you're telling me you're going to have just a show where it's just solid wrestling back to back to back every week I don't think I'm here for that you know some people are and if you are that's fine but for me I think I just need a little bit more I need a little bit more storytelling I need live promos like what Jericho did everybody's gassing that Jericho promo and to me it's just like you know we need more like MJF can't be the only person that's able to cut a promo in Jericho so anyway they uh last week they had another predictable ending with the run-ins. They um I saw that coming from a mile away. They didn't they need to stop doing that, and they need to shy away from that, which they did this week, but this week's ending was pretty flat and boring. Um Yeah, man. Shout out to the nigga at the Leah Court Center uh selling popcorn. <laughs> I had a funny ass moment with my man's. He was like, um, you ever have that moment in life where you really just like, I know people be joking, saying life is a simulation and shit. But you ever have like moments where like it really seemed like this shit is like predest predestined or predetermined or whatever, because like my man's like, oh, man, I want some popcorn, and a hot dog. Don't you know, here come a nigga, this nigga, this like generic ass white boy looking like 16 year old boy pimples on his face and everything came right out to the left of us. Popcorn, get your popcorn here. My man was like, yo, how much for the popcorn? He was like, $5. My man was like, damn, $5 for that hot, that cold-ass popcorn. He was like, all right, how about $4? <laughs> we was like, no, nah, still too high. He was like, $3? <laughs> that nigga was desperate as fuck to sell that popcorn. Oh, my God. That shit was hilarious, man. It was it was a funny moment in, like, like, I don't know. It was just a funny moment to experience, like, in person. Could have just been something between us two, but... Oh, no, not that, know, that that's what was funny to me, man. That then they go that nigga was sweating. It, it had me thinking, I was like, yo, what do you have to be to be a popcorn salesman? You know? Like what throughout your life, what brings you to that point that you like, I'm I'm selling popcorn now. You running up the steps, homie's sweating and shit. Look like he ain't sell about a he ain't sell a box in like three sections, going up the steps and shit, carrying it with one arm. He got this whole dance or whatever, his whole slogan, he like, popcorn, get your popcorn, yeah, popcorn, But anyway, man, back to the damn show, all right? We got a lot to discuss with this damn draft, all right? Um, the draft sucked, that shit was shitty. Speaking of corny, speaking of popcorn, nigga, this fucking draft, oh my God, how can they fold on this, man? And it, I mean, come to think of it, it seems like they just can't get it right. They can't get the damn draft aspect right, man. They improved upon it a little bit from the last time we had the Superstar Shake-Up. Superstar Shake-Up, it was just niggas coming out on fucking different shows. And they was like, oh, my God. I guess say he's a part of Raw now. Here comes AJ Styles. I got say he's a part of Raw. He's, all, he's here. He's on Monday. So they, they shot away from that. But instead, now they have Stephanie just announcing shit. Just like, okay, um... This, this thing Raw's we're, we're gonna burn it down We got Chef Rollins I didn't like how Most of it Was them picking Fucking The same people That was on the show Like I just felt like It was so stupid Like why would you Waste draft picks On people That's already on your show I felt like They wasted picks On champions Too Like the first pick From Raw Was to draft The Raw Women's champion that don't make no type of sense. They could have just made a rule where it was like champions are exempt because what ended up happening was they just ended up drafting champions back to the same roster they was already on. They didn't even switch up one title. If they was going to switch up, like, at least AJ and Nakamura or something, like, okay, the Intercontinental is going over to Raw now, United States is going to SmackDown. at least that would give us a reason why champions could be drafted to a different show. But no, all the champions got drafted to the same show. Like, Y'all had to waste the draft pick on Brock Lesnar. Like, shouldn't it have been known that Brock was just gonna be on SmackDown. Like, the nigga won the title last week. Like, we we know we know Seth is gonna be on Raw. We know he is. Like, why why would the Universal Champion be on SmackDown? Why would the Raw Women's Champion be on SmackDown? Why would the Revival SmackDown Tag Team Champions be on Raw? <laughs> anyway, I digress, man. Um, it was a lot of problems. A lot, a lot of problems with the draft, but. Now that we have our rosters here, I'm starting to see exactly what they want out of each show. And what I mean by that is, judging off of the talent that each show has, I think each show is going to present something different. You know, before we had this draft, we knew that SmackDown wanted a more sports feel to their show. But I think it's kind of ironic that they saying that because goddamn now they have um like more like wrestling based people i feel like on raw which is weird like i feel like if they if smackdown wanted the more sports feeling i feel like they should have had the roster that that raw drafted because raw has like all the main athletic people they got seth they got aj they got ricochet drew mcintyre bobby lashley Alistair Black, like, I just feel like this is definitely, like, the more hard-hitting comp- competition-based show. Cedric Alexander, Buddy Murphy, Andrade, did I mention Humberto Carrillo, who fucking got drafted, like, number 13 or some shit, and I think Monday, I'm gonna call it Monday Night Naw, and not, that's not to say as, as a diss, but it's gonna be because Niggas are wilding on that show. N- Monday night, no. Niggas are wilding. On this show, I think we're going to be getting better action. It's going to be probably better storytelling, I think, if, with Paul Heyman behind the books. And if it's not better storytelling, it's, just, it's definitely going to be more wild storylines, like what we're seeing with Bobby Lashley fucking laying the pipe down on Lana. I think we're going to be seeing shit like that more. You know, like it's really going to be a show where people get to just wild out. And where SmackDown back in the day was that show where like the younger talent got a chance to um, prove themselves. I think Raw is now going to be that show. And um, on the other flip side, SmackDown is the show with all the main eventers, with all the, you know, established stars, with all the superstar-esque characters, if you know what I'm saying. Like we got SmackDown, we got Roman Reigns. Oh, my God, I need to blow my nose or something. I'm so stuffy. We got Roman Reigns on SmackDown. You know, we got Daniel Bryan, Braun Strowman, The Miz, you know, uh, Baron Corbin, Elias. Like, when you think of those names, you think of characters. You think of, like, superstars. Not wrestlers, superstars. Got Sasha Banks over there. New Bailey, which is fucking lit. I fucking love Bailey now. They need to just call her Pam, yo. Call that bitch Pam. I think that shit looked better. He was like, "I ain't Bailey no more. Fuck Bailey. I am paying, motherfuckers." But um, yeah, um, Shorty Gable, Shorty Gable gonna push Shorty G. Um, so I mean, I am just looking at SmackDown's roster, and I am like, okay, I see what y'all going for here. Y'all going for like a super. Y'all got a good mixture of like marquee names. Y'all got Bray over there. Like that. That's just another example. Y'all got characters. Y'all got a few uh, athletics young superstars like Ali, Shorty Gable and Apollo where to where like they can still be the brand for like sports competition, whatever the hell they want to be. But honestly, coming out of this, I'm looking. I'm looking more forward to raw. And um, a lot of people think. Raw was like has been trash lately, and I would agree. But I feel like moving forward, it's going to be the better show. I still think Raw is going to be better. Um, they still got a problem with the time and everything being so damn long. It's such a long show. Um, but I think Raw will just be where we get the best performers, we get the best matches, and I think we get the highlight moments. SmackDown will just be the place where we get our main faces, like the main people. I think that's going to be... The more Vince product show, I think, SmackDown would be, if if that's what you want to say. I think it's going to become saturated. I think it's going to become a watered-down product, similar to what we've been, already been seeing, but not, you know, not taking too many risks creatively. And I feel like that's what I want. As a fan, that's what I feel like I want out of wrestling right now. I want more risks being taken. And I'm seeing that on Raw. Like, we're seeing the... Um, we're seeing, like, the Rusev and Bobby storyline with Lana. And no matter what you think about it, you think of it as garbage or not, it's it's entertaining, you know? And I want to see something like that, you know? I, not everything has to be pristine, but do something new, you know? Do something fresh. And I, that's what I like about that. And Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman as a creative storyteller, I think that he likes to take chances with things. And, um, yeah, man, I have my concerns. I definitely have my concerns about SmackDown moving to Fox. I'm concerned because I can already sort of predict where this is going to go. I feel like, you know, to quote niggas on black wrestling, they said they making this shit into a spectacle. And I feel like they're going to be trying to involve outside entities a little bit too much into SmackDown and WWE to make it seem like WWE isn't a niche thing. Like, to, to try to make it seem cool... They're going to try to bring in outside people. Oh, this nigga on my block just fell. Bust his ass. I saw you, nigga. <laughs> he looking at me. <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, um, yeah, I don't want them to make it seem like it's just like some, like, some cool. Uh, I don't even know how to explain this. Like, because I want, I want SmackDown and I want wwe to be more immersed in pop culture but i don't want them to make it seem corny and like i don't want them to water it down what it is to make it appeal to everyone else outside of it if that makes any sense so i feel like last week it's too much involvement from like them trying to show like the executives and everything and it's like they could have been using that time to showcase the superstars being drafted to smackdown like Why would they spend so much time showing us these damn war rooms when they could have been interviewing the people who just got drafted to SmackDown? Or why are they spending so much time building this Fury and uh, Strowman shit? Or even um, the Kane and Brock shit when, you know, you still got a whole other roster. Like, I understand Saudi's coming up, but I just don't want this to become a habit where we are just constantly seeing them... Involve WWE business with outside entities and like bringing in all these people. I like when they bring in outside people, but don't let that be the main thing in the product. You know, I don't want that to be, become a thing. So, um, so from what we've seen so far, I think the Fox and WWE relationship will just try to adhere more towards the average viewer or like the random person that might try to tune in on a Friday night. I don't think that's gonna be the show for us key wrestler fans. I don't think that's what's gonna happen. I think it's gonna be become it's gonna become a watered down product. Um and this isn't the beginning of the end. Um, but I don't know, man. I'm kinda leaning towards the side that thinks that this isn't this isn't gonna go as great as we might have hoped. I think Fox is gonna make WWE step it up a little bit, depending on how ratings go, but who knows? in what direction that will mean. Like, I feel like ratings aren't always the indicator of what's good wrestling. You know, like the Fox executives might get their reports back and say, okay, like, you're dropping viewers here or there. Um, Ratings weren't as good this week. Um, You got to do this. And, you know, that's not always going to work out all the time, especially if you're trying to establish a continuous story. Storylines like I don't want them to get their hands involved too much into the product, and maybe that's why Eric Bischoff stepped off because he realized this this is a sinking ship, which is another thing we could talk about. I'm just going on a rant. Damn it, that's what this show is. This is what y'all come here for, man. Um, just just going off the top, just talking about everything. We breaking this kayfabe, baby. So look, Eric Bischoff is out, and I don't know if that's something to be worried about. Um. If he just, like, didn't have the chops. But now Bruce Pritchard is in. And we know Bruce Pritchard is a company. Yes, man. Um, kissing up to Vince McMahon. That's his buddy. Um, I'm not saying I don't trust Bruce Pritchard. I actually think he will do a better job than Eric Bischoff. But the thing about Eric Bischoff is he he's not scared to, like, lay lay down the law, you know? And I think they would talk about that on Cheap Heat. Like, he's more rebellious And he knows how to deal with the network executives. Whereas if you listen to Bruce Pritchard's podcast, he'll have times where he'll just be talking about how like, oh, this is what happened. And, and, you know, I just he's a company man. He just he goes along with like the majority decision most of the time. But nevertheless, I still think Bruce Pritchard is a good creative mind. So I have hope. I have hope for SmackDown. Um, What else, man? What else can we get into? So now that we have the rosters established, Raw. Is you niggas are wildin Monday night and all Smackdown You got your superstars you got everything NXT That's where you can go to find The hard hitting action pure wrestling Solid builds and storylines And I think that um It'll just continue to will continue to float Between those three boats I'm enjoying NXT um So far on the USA Network and I'm gonna have to start Watching that on DVR Actually no I think I think I'm going to start watching AEW on DVR I like NXT And I think they They've been doing back to back better shows Honestly the last three weeks Each week has felt better to me On the NXT side than AEW I don't mind watching AEW on DVR So I think that's what I'm going to do moving forward Um, But yeah man I, I definitely am concerned About the future Smackdown and I think I'm on the end of the spectrum where I think Raw is actually going to do better. I think a lot of people think that it's going to it's gonna be getting worse. I think the number one problem right now is Raw is that goddamn motherfucking Jerry the King Lawler. They need to get him off that damn commentary desk, like, right now, ASAP, bro. He is just, oh, my God, he is terrible to listen to. I don't know who they need to sub him in for because, honestly, Vic Joseph... It sounded a little too much like Michael Cole. Um, and God forbid they had two black people on the table. I was gonna say put Byron up there, but you know they wouldn't let fucking Dio they wouldn't let they wouldn't let Dio and Byron be up there. They wouldn't they wouldn't let a majority black announced table be on there. <laughs> Shout out to black announced table. But they wouldn't let a majority of black people be up on the announced table. Is that not facts? Cause I've never seen it before. But if I was to be in charge of the show, if I was booking the territory, I would put Byron Saxton on that damn table. I'll have Byron Saxton, Tom Phillips, um, dang, and maybe Dio, maybe Dio Madden. I like him, um, and I like Vic Joseph too. So it's like, I, just just take Jerry out. Put in anybody but Jerry. God damn, can we get can we step away from Jerry, man? He's not doing anything. He's not benefiting anybody being on that show. And can we also talk about Mauro Ronaldo on NXT? Hold up. NXT? While I sip my tea. It's coffee, actually. Mauro Ranallo. Some people may consider the greatest announcer on WWE programming. Some people feel like he is... At least 50% of the reason why NXT is so successful. Why it's such a great brand. Look, man, I got a hot take for you this week. Mauro Ranallo is getting tired, bro. I can't stand when this man tries every single week to force some kind of pop culture reference or like some kind of witty um, segue kind of, um, quote into whatever he, the hell he's saying. It's just like, sometimes it'd be so forced. Like it just be so like, it, it just be so cheesy. And like, it sounds like a parody of like an announcer. Like it just sounds like too, sometimes it's just too over the top. You know, it's just like, Oh my God. Wow. And he just, Oh my Keith, he was like, Keith Lee just, he may take the lead if he gets to, I don't, I'm just like, yo, what are you saying right now, yo? Like, he'll just, he'll, he'll take like one phrase or something or like some kind of quote from something and then he'll try to like connect the dot between any way. Like, he'll be like, okay, let's say Velveteen Dream just like, um, Kick somebody in the face, he be like, "And oh, wow, Velveteen Dream just put him to sleep with that big boot. Now he's dreaming." It's just like, yo, dog, can you can you like calm down just a little bit? Like, and you don't always have to toss in some like like weird hip hop reference. Like when Leo Rush won the title, this nigga literally said he literally quoted a whole Meek Mill line. He literally quoted "Dreams and Nightmares." He was like, And Leo Rush used to pray for times like this to rhyme like this. And now he had to grind like this to shine like this. You can literally look back and listen to like he literally said that. Mar Nalo deadass said that. And then I'm just like, bruh, you don't always have to force these references. Like it just seems so it's too over the top, man. It's too much for me. Like I need you to just I need you to cool it, bro. So that's what that, that's how I'm feeling on Mauro right now. Mauro, I love you, man. Quite honestly, at your best, you are the best commentator in WWE. But I feel like seeing you week by week live is really like it's really showing your age. You know, it's really showing me that like you kind of you are kind of uh, not meant to be like somebody who I want to see every week. Like I think they should save you for takeovers or something. You know why not have um, why not have Tom Phillips and um, Byron be um, be in NXT because honestly I want Beth Phoenix out of there too that would be a crazy announced team I feel like Tom Phillips Byron and Nigel McGinnis I think that would work wonders I think that would be a great um, commentary team up um, but then again it's a lot of it's a lot of things they could switch up with the commentary teams to make them better. As of right now, I'm enjoying Byron, um not my Byron. I keep saying Byron. I'm enjoying Corey Graves and Michael Cole. I think I think that's that's pretty solid. And maybe they need to go back to the two commentary teams because I wouldn't even mind Dio and Vic Joseph just being the one two punch on raw. Like I said, get that nigga Jerry off the table. That's it. All right. Well, it's about time to wrap the show up. I'm going to give you all my uh, ass kisser of the week. Ass kisser of the week award goes to you, Seth Rollins. Why? Why did you have to burn down the Firefly Funhouse? God it. Why did you have to kill Ramblin' Rabbit for the fourth time? Why did you have to ruin our fun and tear down what we have come to love? Firefly Funhouse. Is it over? Is it over? That's the number one question we got, man. I don't think it's done. I think the Firefly Funhouse is definitely something they need to keep around. And with Bray Wyatt's mystical powers, there's no way that Seth Rollins, menial Seth Rollins in flames, could could just end what, we, what we've established. Now, what I'm wondering, and what a lot of people are wondering is, how the fuck did Seth Rollins find this shit? You know, they could at least show something, like, damn. At least show him, like, looking for it in the back or nothing. But he just popped up. And that just leaves a lot of mystery behind this whole storyline. You know, what is really going on? Is the Firefly from the house in his mind? Is it in some place sort of resembling hell where, like, only the fucking dead and the lost souls could go to or some shit? Is Seth Rollins just, like, is Seth Rollins capable of going to this realm because he has hidden evils he has hidden he has hidden evil demons inside of him yo like this storyline is so fucking weird because it's like they really could make it into some deep shit but i don't trust them to do it at all like if you really pay attention to the little minute details that certain people be looking at like you could really see how this could be something way bigger than what is leading on to be like okay so a seth popped up Bray is like, how the hell did you find me here? You know, and, you know, it leads you to believe why is Seth regarded as like this major player into all this like Firefly Huntout stuff. If you looked at all the paintings on the walls, notice that Seth was the only one painted with like devil horns. I think what they're getting at is that Seth has inner demons. Like he has an inner evil inside of him that Bray is trying to pry out of him. Bray is trying to get him to unleash all the inner angers and frustrations that's in Seth Rollins. And from what we've seen, it's been working this far. At Hell in a Cell, he busted his nigga head open and to kill him. At Monday Night Raw, he's an arsonist. He's trying to light down, the, he's trying to burn down the Firefly Funhouse. Think about all the innocent lives he just killed. Um, Mercy the buzzard, Abby the motherfucking evil bitch. Um... Uh Ramblin' Rabbit, he just killed like all these people. He's a murderer. Who is Seth Rollins? He's evil. He's got evil intentions behind him. So honestly, I'm thinking about this storyline with high hopes, man, because if they if it's really just over and they just burned it down like that and it's just done, that's corny. But they could really go somewhere with this. Make it to where The Fiend has a goal to bring out Seth's inner demons. I talked about this on episode two. If y'all checked out episode two, this is where I thought it was headed. I said, maybe the purpose of The Fiend is to bring out and expose the inner evils that is in all his opponents. And Seth Rollins is the perfect dude, because from what we've seen in Seth's character development, we still have not seen him answer for all the past misdo's he's done. It's just been, I'm good guy Seth now. Like, okay, he was evil. When he went away off injury, came back, he was like, y'all love me. I'm good guy. And since then, he's just been, hey, I'm good guy Seth. <laughs> I'm a good guy, guys. Come on. Cheer for me. Love me. And it's like people are starting to people are starting to betray Seth because they don't like that booking of him. They don't like him just being some flat baby face who just comes out here. He's like, I'm going to burn it down. And it's like, come on, Seth. Like, we know. We miss you when you was on your gully and you was just out here curb stomping niggas on some evil shit. Seth is an evil, devious nigga. And if they turn this storyline around to make it so that that's what Seth Rollins becomes, this is will be so successful. Because that's that's the only way I could see this coming out good. We need Seth to expose himself. We need the theme to bring that out of Seth. I don't know what is about to happen at Saudi, but they booking themselves into another goddamn hole. I don't see The Fiend coming away with the title. And that's what I'm going to say is my no chance at hell pick for this week or this coming up week. Is, is that next week? It's on Halloween, but I don't know. Um, No chance at hell. The Fiend walks out with that universal title. They're going to they gonna pull some smazery again, Yo. There's no chance of hell they're gonna have a title change on a Saudi show. I don't I just I just don't see it. And as much as I would like for the Fiend to be champion and for them to move something forward with that, I just I don't see it happening. But now they got the stipulation where it's like the match can't be stopped no matter what. Um watch they gonna. they gonna pull something where like they both get they both pin each other or something. It's gonna be some smisery. It's going to be something where, like, they both can't compete or it's going to end up being to where, like, they both get, un- like, knocked out unconscious or something. But The feed is not winning. Seth is not going over either. It's going to be just a flat. Um, oh, oh, my God. They're breaking themselves. They're booking themselves into a hole again, you know. It's just, I could just see this happening. We're going to be frustrated by Ed So that's going to be my no chance at hell pick also. No chance at hell. We leave Saudi Arabia satisfied with the storyline between The feed and Seth Rollins. How about that? That's my no chance of hell pick. But look, man, it's about time for me to get out of here. Thank you for tuning in to episode three of the Breaking k podcast. I'm going to try to be a little more consistent with this show, man. Like I said, I was out in a little hiatus, recovering from my illness now, still trying to figure out the best day to record this pod. Saturdays work seems like Tuesdays work So maybe I'll be working in between those two days I like Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays How about that? So uh, look out for that man Please follow me on SoundCloud Follow me on Twitter At Vince McMahon's V-I-N-C-E-M-C-M-A-N-Z And um, yeah just keep your eyes and ears open I like to tweet a lot about wrestling Um, I like to talk some bullshit Follow me on there Hit me up on there and, you know, tell your friends about me. Share this with somebody, you know. Let them know that you, you enjoyed what you heard this week on the show. All right? I'm going to holla at y'all. Stay cool out there. Um, yeah. You're fired. Keep it up. I'm a nigga.